So Money Episode 674, Ask Farnoosh, with special co-host Shannon Wilburn. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's Ask Farnoosh Friday. Hope that uh, you have chosen to listen to this podcast as you are unwinding from the week and ready to learn about money. Very excited to bring on our co-host today. She was a guest on So Money back in 2015. You know, we just celebrated actually today. Oh my gosh, it is uh, pretty much our uh, three-year anniversary on this show. It's so sweet to... I can't believe we just remembered that, but Shannon Wilburn is back with us. She was on episode 226. She is the CEO and co-founder of Just Between Friends Franchise System, which is a very popular uh, consignment sale company that uh, you know works with, oh gosh, so many consigners. Uh, we'll have her talk more about it. It's been a while since we've caught up, but Shannon, welcome back to So Thank Money. Thank you so much for having me and um, happy anniversary, I guess. Thank you. I, what an I fly by the seat of my pants. And this is literally, I just recalled this. Uh, just goes to show you how busy life has been. I have been um, failing as a mother to this podcast to remember its birthday. Well, that, you, that means you just get to celebrate it over the long weekends. Yes, uh, <laughs> with lots and lots of adult beverages. How are you? It's been two years. Yes, I'm, I am doing very well. Thank you. I'm just excited to be on your podcast again. So I, I love your podcast and I'm just so impressed with all of the listeners that you have and the great questions that they have. And I have learned uh, several things just by listening to it. So um, thanks for having me Aww. on. Absolutely. Well, I learned so much just by having you on the show and following your business. Just Between Friends is a, a company that you started back in 97 and uh, I remember you talking about this on episode 226 when you were on a couple of years ago and how it, it was an idea that basically was born out of a living room, <laughs> your living room with 17 consigners. You guys had this idea to uh, feed a, a very much needed market of um, secondhand cl- children's clothing. And as a mom of two, I know this is a need. I love secondhand clothes for my kids because, first of all, they're soft because they've been washed multiple yeah. times and they're really good on the skin, but also come on, like kids grow up, you know, they're, they're growing three inches every six, every six yep. seconds. So you, it's not worth it to buy a lot of uh, expensive clothing or well, new clothing nobody knows Tell, either. So that's the, that's a, and nobody knows, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I say it's vintage, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it's a, it's, it's a sustainable way really to, um, provide for your family and you're not uh, wasting cash. I don't think anyone wants to waste cash. And so um, I love, I'm glad that um, you are a believer. Yeah. Well, you know, clearly a a company like yours is high in demand during down markets and recessions. I'm sure you saw huge upticks in demand during like, say the great recession, 2008, 2009. 2017, 2018, economy has been doing really well. In fact, for the past several years, we've been doing well. Is the demand as strong? It is not. Um, not with our company. I think the demand for secondhand items is um, 
still, I think it's increasing just because with the Great Recession, you had so many families that maybe had an adverse reaction to buying used and buying secondhand. And they realized that it was fiscally, I mean, it was very smart of them to um, purchase secondhand instead of buying retail. And I think the retail industry is um, feeling a little bit of that. But as far as our particular concept, what we have run into is that there are so many more competitors, which is great for your listeners, because there are so many ways to purchase secondhand these days, not just our concept, which is an event-based concept where where you have to wait Our event comes around every six months in our 153 territories. So you kind of have to wait. Uh, We're looking at ways to competing online right now and trying to decide if that's a way that we want to move forward. But it's it's in the works. So we'll see. We've got lots of competition in that place right now. True, but I think there you see a lot of online stores transitioning to brick and mortar because they realize there is value in the walk-in customer and people want to try things on. I know that now shipping is free. It's ubiquitous, but uh, it's nice to be able to buy something and know that it's a keeper. (laughs) I I call it the sniff and smell where you want to have hands on and you want to be able to touch and feel it. So I, I don't think that our events are going away. I don't think they ever will go away, but I think just being able to compete in a different space, especially with millennials. And uh, when you have so many people selling online through swap groups or Facebook marketplace or thread up, or just, we have lots of competitors in that space. And so I think we have to, just from a business perspective, we always have to be on the lookout about where our company is headed. So Sure. Well, when is your next event? Well, we have 153 events around the country. And so it is depends on the market. So we're in 30 states and we have one franchise in Canada. So it's easy for your listeners to get online to jbfsale.com. It stands for just between friends. So jbfsale.com and they can go and see when the next event nearest them uh, when that's happening. So um, our franchisees are having events Um, in the spring and in the fall. But we do have some, I mean, we have events from January through December. So uh, it's just, it's year round, but it depends on, I think that's your pick essentially this year because it's warm in Tucson all the time. (laughs) Are there certain markets that are just better than others? Like I know that (laughs) I love TJ Maxx. And I know that when I go to, for example, my mom's town, I just, the, 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 the selection is so much better because coming from New York, like, you know, we're all so label obsessed yes. here. That those labels in the TJ Maxx in New York City get picked up immediately. Like it's really slim pickings right. here. But you might go to a, a kind of remote part of the country and find some really great finds yep. because people there just aren't, you know, interested in the so same thing. You bring up a great point because it really depends on the market. And when we, when we, are selling franchises, when we're recruiting franchisees, that's one of the the things we look at is the actual market. So we do a demographic study on the area and we look at, okay, we need some lower income areas, we need some high income areas, and we need middle income America as well. So um, from a from a seller perspective, a lot of our merchandise that shows up at our events comes from middle income America, because those are the families that need to, it's probably a lot of your listeners actually, because those are the families that, um, they're not, um, 
you know, poverty level, but they, so they're buying nice things and they want their families, their children to look nice and, but they can't afford to give it away. So they have to recoup some of the investment and they do that by selling at our events and making 60 to 70% on whatever they're selling. And, you know, with our events, if I can do a quick commercial about it, the, the great thing about our events is that you're, you're getting rid of all of the stuff that you no longer need all in one place. So it's, it's not selling it a onesie twosie outfit on Facebook marketplace. It's not um, selling your stroller um, on a swap group or to someone in your neighborhood. It's like, you can bring everything all in one place and get rid of it all at once. And now to do that, you're not going to get as much uh, necessarily that you would to sell it to a friend, but maybe, maybe you can get more anyway. So you never yeah. know. And as, as you say this, I'm looking at a stack of uh, Tupperware boxes <laughs> filled with maternity yep. clothes and my husband's old jeans. And it's, <laughs> it's time. I, I mean, spring cleaning is going to come yep. like, very early in our house this year. Well, let's get to some questions. Um, I actually have a question. My, I'm going to use ask Farnoosh to ask uh, a Farnoosh question because I actually had a recent experience with consignment and I felt like I almost got ripped off. I wasn't sure. Um, so I recently bought a purse on a resale site, which I won't name, but, um, they're very well regarded. They, uh, they, they have this policy on this site that if you purchase anything over $500, uh, a handbag, whatever, they require the seller to send it to their headquarters to be authenticated. And um, then once it's authenticated, they the headquarters, the company sends it to the buyer and the buyer and the company are the only ones exchanging money. I never con- you know, contact. I have communication with the seller, but we don't exchange dollars. And that's just their way of protecting the process, which I which I, I love. I was like, well, this is great. This is like, you know, much for me. It's like super yes. secure. Um, so I made a bid. I got accepted. I was really excited. And then Lo and behold, like a few hours after the seller is reaching out to me saying, hey, can we get offline and talk about this purchase? I'd love to sell it to you for even less. Maybe get out the middleman. And um, and that to me is a huge red flag. I even Googled that. And I was like, when sellers um, insist that, we, that, you, that they take the sale offline or off the platform, that's terrible because, well, A, they could be fraud, fraudsters, but also there's no recourse for me if I get the package and it's, you know, it's filled with, it's it's not the real thing. Um, Well, so I, I, you know, I was very respectful. I was like, actually, um, and she was, I think she was new to the platform. She wanted to avoid the fees. Um, She didn't realize they were so steep. So I said, look, I actually have already been charged by the company. And so whether or not we can exchange money is it's kind of a moot point. We can't do that. It's already been handled. Plus, because this is a high ticket item, you need to send this to the headquarters, not to me. And she was like, oh, I didn't realize that either. So I was like, okay, what have I gotten yeah. myself into? <laughs> I contacted the, the, the company and I said, this is what's going on. Do you think I should just like, do we, should we just, you know, abort, abort, abort? And they said, look, let's get the bag. If we'll look at it, um, we'll, we'll take it from there. So I said, okay. And you know what? The bag cleared, the bag went to headquarters. They authenticated it. They actually took a little bit of extra time. They asked for more photos from the woman and I got the bag and, um, it looks real to me, (laughs) (laughs) but 
But like 2% of me is still not sure. Like, can I trust the authenticators at this company? I was thinking of taking it to the actual, like, you know, store in Manhattan and saying, Hey, is this your stuff? But I only had three days and I didn't have time to go do that. So do you think I'm okay? I think you're totally fine. So it sounds like to me, Farnoosh, that you did all of the right things. So researching the company that you are doing business with. Um, also, you went the extra mile and uh, I think researched maybe the person. And I think for for the yeah. for the gal that was contacting you, that's probably a temptation that all of us have, right? I have something of value to sell and I want to get mm-hmm. the most money out of it. If she was new to the platform and maybe didn't, you know how we all agree and accept the terms and conditions many times without reading them. So she may not have had a um, the knowledge that that was not a fair practice really for the company and yeah. and gave you just a weird feeling, which isn't probably something that you meant yeah. to do. Um Well, going back, I think, and this is advice to everybody, if you're buying anything online that is secondhand and it's like a high ticket item, um, no matter how gorgeous the pictures are, ask the seller to send you a picture of the, of her or he with like holding the item because they could have taken those, you know, because they could have taken those photos off of any website And so I should have done this. And I think that the authenticators did this because they told me it's taking them a little bit longer. They're asking for her for more photos. I think they wanted a picture of her holding the bag to make sure that A, she exists and that B, um, you know, she has the bag in hand in that she like, you know, did at one point own the bag. Um, But, you know, I'm just still a little skeptical because when I did a reverse image Google search of her, because I did that. I've never done that. What is a reverse image Google search? Um, so you, you, so like you can, so on her profile, she had a a photograph of herself and this is like when I got really suspicious, I was like, is this just like a Russian bot? Like, I don't know who am I dealing with? This is fake news. (laughs) Um, so I saved her photograph to my computer. Then you can go to Google image and, um, upload that photo in the search bar and it will find a matching picture. And it found a couple of matching sites with that picture, but like the picture was from like everywhere. Like the pic- I found it on a, a woman's real estate website um, in Tucson. Meanwhile, her phone number is oh New York. Gosh, have you and done I was this like, with other images? Um, yeah. Like I remember there was a, um, a dress I wanted to find online uh, and I I forget. I think I did a reverse image search that way. This um, is new. This I think I took a picture of it in the store to, so I could find it online somewhere and I was able to do it. Yeah. So that's that's so money, right? You can do reverse image searches on Yay, Google. I did not know this. Okay. So yeah, that would have weirded me out just a little bit. Yeah. But like the photo was like sort of this generic um nice looking like grandma looking person, yeah. which I was like, Oh, of course, because who can argue with grandma? You know? <laughs> that's true. Of um, course she's trusted. So, so I think about, yeah. So I reflect back on those th- details, but I was like, maybe this person wants to protect her identity. Like I get that. She used, I think but anything you know. that you're buying online is buyer beware. You, you did everything yeah. that I would have thought to do and more uh, for going to, uh, you know, if the thing is, if this company has paid authenticators, um, I would, I would just believe. Yeah. I think that's what I think. I'm like, she, she took, she went through the process and would have was sacrificing potentially being humiliated and like, 
being being banned from the site. Um, but the bag checked out. Like I, I've shown it. I've showed it now to people who are familiar with the designer and who owned that bag, and they're like, "Yes, this is real." I mean, I, I have no. When you see it, it seeing is believing. You in know, most, um, most I, of I, the places have a, a return policy, so you you've got a few days to return the yeah. item. So if you get it, maybe have that set up. Like the bag, the bag is arriving this day, so I'm going to take it to you know, who, another authenticator who you, whom, you know, um, yeah, before the, yeah. before the time. Expires. All right. Thank you for um, making yeah, me feel better yeah. about that purchase. And hopefully we helped listeners along the way, <laughs> just, you know, some things to think about when you're purchasing online, have them take a picture of the bag with them and send it to you. And um, well, on this sort of same topic of, of resale, we have a question from Meredith who wants to know how to identify items around the house that are worth selling. Now, you know, Shannon, your kind of uh, your area of focus is clothing, but maybe we could start there. You know, I, I don't think all kinds of clothing necessarily are resellable um, because I feel like so many people want cer- certain labels, certain categories of clothing, but what's but then I'll, there are very many sites for different kinds of clothing yeah. resale. So maybe you just have to find the right destination. Maybe, I think, you know, looking for way, items in your own home to sell. Of course, all of us have items of value that we have in our home. So, of course, if you're if you're looking to make a little bit of extra money or just clearing out some stuff, I think looking for those items if, in your closet, definitely that are name brand, maybe that are classy, classic um, or possibly on trend for what it is. And it may be something vintage that's in your closet, but it's back in style again. Uh, so I think those are always great things to look for. And when it, and there's so many ways to get rid of stuff. Um, one, one way that I tend to get rid of some things these days is through a um, Facebook group called Buy Nothing and then the City. And I don't know if you've heard of these, Varnoosh, but... It's kind. It's a. It's basically, you can say I'm in need of X if you're looking for something. So in search of, um, and then see if anyone wants to give it to you. So for example, this is not about selling, but this is about buying. My daughter was headed to Africa on a mission trip last summer, and she wanted to take a brand new camera that she got, but she didn't have a camera bag. And I was like, well, we're not going to go spend fifty or seventy five dollars to buy a brand new camera bag. Like. I'm sure people have camera bags sitting in their garage that they don't need anymore. (laughs) So I just went on the Facebook group and said, in search of a camera bag to fit, you know, this particular camera. And I had two people that said, I've got one of those you can have. So just giving it away. Um, You know, I've I've got stuff that, especially Mm -hmm. this time of year when you go to the Christmas parties and stuff and you get gifts maybe that are not something that you would necessarily need or use and you want to re-gift it. Those are some items that I would, I will put on the, the buy nothing, buy nothing. um, And then your city name group. So you can just give them away and you just actually just put them on your front porch. But when it comes, and that's just a way to clear stuff out of your house. If you don't care about getting paid for it, because, um, some of these things, I'm like, I don't want to go to the trouble to sell it and collect money for it. I would just rather give it away. Um, and it's a way to get that stuff out of your house quickly. Um, I think we all probably have purses and things like that that are of value. Um, dishware, especially if you're um, if you 
have had maybe someone who you need to clear out their, their house. My husband is actually in the process of cleaning out his parents' home. And there are items in there that are of value, dishware, um, stuff like that, that has value and we don't really have the need for it. So we need to find a way to get rid of it. And just going through the going through and figuring out how much do I want for this? I think for pricing purposes, Farnoosh, probably one third to one half of retail is a good starting point, you know, and Mm -hmm. prep it and make it look as clean and new as possible because you're, you're marketing that item. So you want to make it look nice. Pictures, 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 lots and lots of pictures. Um, I once interviewed the garage sale millionaire. <laughs> I don't uh, Aaron Lapidus. He was actually on the ep- on the podcast. A great episode if you're interested in really learning about like how to basically unload all the stuff in your house and what should go for what. But basically, he gave some really great advice, which was if you're interested in selling something, um, go on eBay or, or a lot of these big resale sites and see what has sold. And on eBay, you can actually search for things that have sold in that category. Um, and you can see what they sold for, what conditions they were, what, what what went for a lot of bids, which means that this was a popular item. So it's a great way to gauge whether what you have is A, of interest, and B, how much you could potentially fetch for it. Um, if you don't see your item anywhere in the, has, in the recently sold list, doesn't mean it's no good. It just means that there may not have been um, any recent examples, but always great to check that aspect of a site yeah, out if you can. eBay has a way, and maybe this is what you were referring to, where you, yeah. can, you can go and see exactly what that has sold for in the past. We've got a, we've got a gentleman that's part of our franchise system. Um, his spouse actually o- owns um, three franchises and um, he is a big eBay seller. And uh, we were, we were recently visiting with him and he said, that's kind of how he we were talking about pricing of items, helping our families price their items correctly. And that's exactly what he does. There's a there's another website that you can go to that curates all of that, aggregates all of that together. And you're able to quickly find exactly what it sold for. Maybe not what it was listed for, but exactly what it sold for to know kind of what to expect. Mm-hmm. Super helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah, super, super helpful. All right, let's move on to helping Jack. Um, this is a question, switching complete gears here. It's about making more money and his promotion. He says he's on, he's, he says that he is on track to get promoted and he had a meeting with his supervisor. Uh, they were discussing his, uh, I guess, his annual review. And um, the topic of a promotion came up and um the boss was mentioning that, uh, you know, this is the particular salary range for this promotion. And Jack says he was kind of uh, underwhelmed by that. He says my initial reaction was that it seemed low. So he has since done some homework. He discussed this with a fellow mentor at work, and they also think that he was being lowballed. <laughs> so the question is, should he go back and negotiate for more money or should he just wait until the actual promotion comes in and then negotiate. I mean, I think that the latter is what he should do is sort of talk about uh, making more once the promotion is on the table for real, because um, in that case, that merits, you know, that's when you would talk about maybe making more or a lot more than what you're making now. And um, 
like we've talked about on the show so many times, but it's worth reiterating, you know, you got to go in armed with the facts. So rather than going in with your emotions or feeling, you know, this, this sort of sentiment of feeling lowballed or undervalued, like put that aside, try to compartmentalize that as much as possible and show enthusiasm, show appreciation. And, you know, wow, I'm so honored to be considered for this promotion. I have done some research and then bring in all the research that you've done, whether that's, uh, you know, the web, the web research you've done that looks at this particular kind of work at this level in your area. How much does that normally earn? Um, you can say, I've talked to senior mentors at our company who've gone through this, you know, exact, um, trajectory and when they were working in this position or given with, you know, their perspective, they think that this may be, um, on the lower end of what I could potentially earn. Um, and then, you know, talk about if you've done a lot in the past year in terms of hitting milestones, overachieving goals, all of that is worth bringing up at that point. Um, but I think maybe wait till there is an actual offer on the table. Okay. And I know you've negotiated because you've talked about this um, on the podcast before, maybe your first job, if I'm remembering correctly, you negotiated. Um, yeah, well, it was so it was my, um, I was transitioning from job one to okay. job two. And job one, I kept hitting a wall with asking for a raise. I kept getting rejected. I kept giving, I kept being given more responsibility, <laughs> but without... <laughs> the the pay raise to go with it. And so one day I just marched into HR politely <laughs> and I asked for I didn't like go in there with my fists in the air, but I in my in my in my memory of it it was much more of a bolder move. I was probably just really scared at the time. But I asked uh, if I, I could learn my salary range for my position as a producer at this news station. And I was shocked to learn that, you know, that my position could fetch as much as like I think $90,000 or $85,000. And I was making yeah. half that. And so I, again, went into my manager's office armed with the facts. This doesn't always work. You know, we, we you can try your best, but I will say that. So she didn't still give me the raise. She was shocked that I, I knew this and that uh, I don't even think she knew. But when I jumped ship to another job. And then we were talking about salary at this new job. I, um, I use that to my advantage. I said, look, I, uh, I know that this position in this market, um, you know, that the going salary is, you know, and I talked about, I didn't say the whole range, but I said, you know, I want to, I would like to make a hundred thousand. I kind of, I went above and beyond the range. It was actually a promoted, it was a promoted role at this new company. It wasn't, I wasn't going from, um, the same role to the same role. And so they didn't blink and they said, you know what, that's not what we had prepared to pay you, but we could definitely revisit this in six months. How about we start you at 90? <laughs> I was like, Does that works. Well, I have to tell you a fun uh, story, Harnish. So I had heard that podcast. I had heard that podcast. And and a couple of years ago, my son's girlfriend, who was a recent college graduate, became and said, I'm looking for a job and I need to negotiate my salary because what they are wanting to pay me is um, less than what I'm making right now. And I said, well, are you okay with that? And she said, no. I was like, then you have to do something about it. And um, so I, you know, remembered kind of going in and you giving this advice on your podcast previously. So I kind of shared that with her. And um, I said, you, you really have to go on go in armed with research because they're going to give you a salary range or they're going to give you a salary. In this case, it was hourly. And, um, 
you know that they had already given her that actually, you know, that that's not what you want to make. And so you have to be able to tell them what you want to make, because if it's not going to work out, obviously you're not going to take that job. Uh, But you need to have be backed up with facts and figures. And I said, they're going to be surprised because I don't know. and And this is a startup company. So I don't think that they were well-versed in hiring. And uh, so I said, you need to definitely come in. And and when they tell you that salary again, say, ask them where they got it. Because they might just be pulling it out of thin air. Um, and I know that's not the case probably with most of the positions that are open and available these days. They are, they are positions that have been in place for a while and have a specific salary range. But in this case, it was a new role. So she went in there and you know, she asked them how they came up with it. And they kind of gave a lame answer. And uh, she said, well, I really feel like it's worth this. And she gave a, it was about 25% more than what they were offering. And she said, I'd really like to be paid this. And they didn't balk at it. They said, let us, let us talk about it. And they came back to her the next day and said, okay. So, you know, she got, wow. she got exactly what she was wanting um, to make, to be able to make the move to this new company. And that was all because of advice that I had heard from you. And I've actually given that advice on several occasions. So I'm a big believer in negotiating just about everything. Uh, There was a a recent case where I was hiring a vendor. And I know lots of us do business with different companies. And you really, you can negotiate. Um, This is, I was being charged by a legal firm in Canada, a set amount. I think it was like $1,800 to do a financial Take take our um, United States financials for our company and turn them into Canadian financials, whatever's accepted in Canada. And they were wanting to charge eighteen hundred dollars to do that, which I thought was just highway robbery. <laughs> and um, I said, "Listen, I don't have that in the budget. So what can we do here?" I didn't say, "Will you take less?" Because that's a yes or no question. I just say, "I just said, hey, you know what can we do here?" And they knocked eight hundred dollars yeah. off of it. So I got it for a thousand. Just by one question saved me $800. And so I, you know, I'm not embarrassed to ask for stuff like that. And many times I'm negotiating on behalf of my franchisees for different costs that they're going to have to incur. And so I have a little bit more leverage maybe than a single person negotiating. But here's the thing. If you, if you want more money and you think you're worth more money, which most of us think we're worth more than we're being paid. Um, what is it going to hurt to ask for more? The um, all they can say is no. You know, and yeah, <laughs> I know that's really it. If you've been offered a job and now they're asking you how much do you want to yes. make, don't don't worry. You know, uh, if this is all a negotiation. Employers are well versed in negotiating. It's the employee, the prospective employee who is perhaps coming in feeling like, oh, well, I can't, uh, you know, I don't want to start a a problem. I don't want to create drama. I want to get the job. Um, they're not going to rescind the job offer just because you gave an, uh, suggested salary that was more than what they were expecting to pay. It's, it's a back and forth. So, so any, if you have any of those uh, concerns, but back to your own point about like it being in a store or being with a vendor. I mean, the magic word is what can yeah, you do, or say something like yeah, or yeah, or I've heard also saying things like, "Well, have you ever made an exception? 
you know, kind of put it in there, put the ball in their court and you will be, I think, delightfully surprised that they will come back with something really, um, really valuable for you. Um, probably exceeding your own expectations. Yeah, and just varnish for Jack's, um, for Jack's original question about negotiating and, and all of that. So I, from an employer standpoint, so I have employees as well. We have, um, 10 or 11 employees right now. And so there have been times where they have come to me and asked for a raise as well. And sometimes it's just not in the budget. And so it's not that I don't, want to pay them more. It's like, I have to come up with the money to pay them. And, um, and I want to keep them around, but it doesn't mean that, that I don't value them if I can't give them a raise. But so here's another tidbit of information. Sometimes if, if especially smaller companies that don't, maybe they might not have cash, they may have cash flow issues or something like that. Maybe if if they're not going to be able to offer you a little bit more money, why don't you ask for an extra day of vacation or to have Friday afternoons off or be, be creative yourself and in, in coming up with maybe a travel allowance or something, something that um, might not necessarily cost the company cash, but would give you maybe just more flexibility in your work, work-life balance. Right. If you can work from home, let's say on Fridays, that's one day of childcare that you may not need to invest as much in, or, um, you know, you can run your errands, you can do a lot, you can be more productive during your week, which may end up being, you know, money saved. Who knows? You can probably justify it. Um, Shannon, thank you so much. We didn't get to so many questions, but I feel like the, the conversation was so rich. You gave us so many great uh, strategies and advice. And I want you to remind us again, how we can uh, find a a place to go and, and um, engage with just sure. between friends and your next sure. event. So we have um, our website is jbfsale.com. So that stands for just between friends. And we also we're, we're looking for franchises in many states. So you can go to jbfsale.com or jbfsalefranchise.com. So those are a couple of our sites. No, is that my computer making that I'm, I'm you know, we're talking through my computer and my iMessage keeps going off, even though I've, even though oh. I've shut it down. And I don't know how to tell my friends to stop texting. So <laughs> you're very popular. Well, as long as we've identified the root of it, I wasn't I'll sure it was me or you. I've multiple times uh, to get it to stop and I can't, I can't figure it out. So sorry about that. You're a busy lady. I get it. You're very popular, Shannon. Thank you so much for stopping by the show. Wishing you and your uh, family a wonderful new year. And, um, We'll be sure to post the website back on somoneypodcast.com. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. And I hope your weekend is so money. 